Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the American Citizens Podcast. My name is Gray. I'm joined as ever by Josh. Josh, good after morning noon. Good after morning noon to you, too. And we are joined by a special guest today. Uh, Richard Burns is here from the... Blue Moon Podcast and other ventures. Richard, welcome. hello. Welcome back to our little corner of the internet. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. And um, we haven't talked to you in a while, so we have a fair bit to catch up on. Three games, in yeah. fact. A nil-nil in the derby against Man United. A 2-2 at Middlesbrough in which Guardiola screwed everything up <laughs> unreservedly. And then a 5-0 win over Palace that was a lot more what we're, were probably expected back in August. So, of course, there's been a lot of other results that have gone certain ways during this time. Manchester United losing to Arsenal. Liverpool continuing to not beat literally anyone that is not in the top six. Um, which means that City now, despite the fact that they dropped four points, including two at Borough, that were pretty much inexcusable, that they remain in control of their own destiny. Yeah, I don't... And can finish third if they win out. So... How did that happen? I don't know. Here's here's a... How did did Callum Chambers and Alvaro Negredo, like... This team is so horrible at set pieces. It's almost unbelievable. Um... I, I... Here's here's a question for the group that sort of stems from that game. Is Richard, it, you first. Is it is oh. it possible for Gabriel Jesus and Sergio Aguero to share the pitch together effectively? Oh, I it's a difficult one, this, and I really really hope the answer is yes because um, if it proves not to be, then the only end result there is losing Aguero. I think so. I think Guardiola has made comments about he will find it difficult to play those two together whilst playing Sané and Sterling as traditional wingers. Um, and I think there is, well, there's, there's definitely truth in that because the way City attack, we are already susceptible to counter-attacks. I think if we play those four together, um, I think we will we will either be even more susceptible to counter-attacks and vulnerable to them, or we're going to have to ask a hell of a lot more from Sané and Sterling working back. Um, and I know a lot of people have a, a bit of a problem with their work rate and what they do defensively, whereas I've always sort of assumed that, one, I think they do work hard, and two, when they don't track back, I usually assume it's sort of under instruction, like uh, Robin. You're talking the... about Sané and Sterling, just yeah, to clear. Right. Okay, all right. Um, and so I always sort of assume that's under instruction, like Guardiola used to do a bit with Ribery and Robin. Um, those two hold the key to whether Jesus and Aguero can play together, I think. It's whether you can fit them in, um, whether you can fit Sané and Sterling alongside them as well. And I'm, I'm not sure that's going to work obviously we'll have a lot of squad rotation so the four of them will get game time but they're all too good particularly Aguero at the stage in his career um, that he's at they're all too good to be spending too much time on the bench and Aguero certainly will have plenty of other offers if there's any hint that he's unsatisfied or, or not getting in the team as often as he'd like um, so I think in terms of their individual quality, Jesus and Aguero can play together. Um, but I'm not sure we're going to see a whole lot of it because uh, the balance that you have to take from the rest of the team might be too big. I did. Guardiola basically said, because there was some thought, thought to, I think they asked him, well, could they, Sonny and Sterling, be deployed as wingbacks in a formation like that? And he said no. Not right now, anyway. Especially uh, Sterling's just not prepared for that role. So, I mean, Josh, we've talked a lot about the strike force on this program, and 
I, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the same question. Um, well, I, I, I'm in line with, with Richard, but I would say this. I think Raheem Sterling is, is still young. And later on in games, his, both he and Sané tend to, um, well, they tend to die. And, and it, when you look at the game plan of, of counterattacks and how often he and Sterling are turning around on a dime and then running full speed toward the opposition's goal, like, I get why they're not lasting night a full 90 sometimes or why their performances dip off and they don't track back at the end. What I would say is if you're talking about playing – Jesus and Aguero as a pair of strikers, like either how uh, how Bayern used to do it, where you'd have sort of like a a four a four one four one, but it really looked more like a uh, like a four five one with 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 like a central attacking midfielder right in line behind the striker. Um, I think you could do that, but I think the best way to play them together would be to spell out either uh, Sterling or Sané and then let Jesus play the wing because he can play the wing. We know that he can play the wing. So if you're trying to find a way to get them both on the pitch, I think that's how you do it. I, I, I But I'm still with... Uh, uh, Richard here in that I don't necessarily believe that City I just think it would be awkward those two play so differently like I don't I don't see how the combination works to be truthful yeah I mean City paired strikers under Mancini and generally Pellegrini until pretty much later on in his tenure and you looked at who they paired, you know, you had the uh, stereotypical big striker, small striker mix in Jekko and Aguero. And Jekko, by the way, is having a ridiculously good season in Serie A. Who knew? Um, but, you know, the traditional big, small, um, and Negredo and Aguero was the sort of the same principle. And then there was uh, Tevez and Aguero in which they sort of, they were compatriots. They sort of operated on the same wavelength. Um not not so here. Um, so I, I I don't really know that there's and I, it's only going to add fuel to the fire because you you watch a game like that and it's unfair to you know make snap overarching you know definitive statements based on one performance. But can, can we speak? Can, can we talk about one thing real quick? Just sure. one thing. This idiotic idea that that Manchester United are going to get their hands on Aguero at any price. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, stop reporting that. It's never going to happen. City would sell him to the kingpin in the Marvel Universe before leave, they would sell him leave, to Manchester leave, leave, United. Leave Duncan Castles alone. He's had a rough week. But you when mean that... play Travis? <laughs> the, the headline um, when it appeared over the weekend that Mourinho wants Aguero is barely a headline, is it? Because I I want to date Jennifer Lawrence, but it's unlike. <laughs> right, I would love to. I would love to be married to Kat Dennings, but you know, <laughs> I want to be a millionaire. What 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 type of news are we printing here today? <laughs> we can if we can get like Guardiola. As if Guardiola could sign the eleven players in the world that he wants, we'll run that story right next to that. And yeah, yeah. Guardiola wants Cristiano. wants these eleven players. Lionel <laughs> Messi, pick like the world's best player at each position, and then just write an article. Guardiola wants these guys. Kroos, Busquets, yeah, we want all of them. Okay. Yep. Um, you name it, they're coming our way. Right. So yes, that was hilarious. Um, I I I do want to. Uh, to get into, you know, the really good performance as well. Um, I know the Derby was like two weeks ago now, and we're still talking about it, but, you know, because I haven't gotten the chance to talk to Josh since then, because 
I had a birthday, and then I had a busy week, and then that week culminated with me having to call a plumber to this house at 3 in the morning, long story short. Um, but I, I did want to talk, because watching that game at the time, it wasn't the best result, it wasn't the worst result, but it was just kind of like... Um, I, I think that the hope for us is that, and, and I'll, I'll ask for both of your thoughts on this, I think the thought when Guardiola showed up was, you know... The city, fairly or not, there are a lot of people that said, well, every time some they, city don't know how to break down a parked bus. Um, and, you know, much as we hate when people play that way, you know, they're within their right to, even if we don't like it. Um, you know, they're trying to get a result, and that's the best way to get a result. So, it's the name of the game. You yeah, can't fault you know, somebody not, for playing the game. I, I, I will make jokes about it. I will tweak Jose Mourinho about it until my dying day. <laughs> but um, if you are a manager, you know, the, you, the, it doesn't make sense for you to play into the other team's hands just the name of, well, we tried to play good football and then we got obliterated 4-0. Um, but the, the, the thought I've had is that I think people expected maybe City would have an, a slightly easier time of of being able to play through a parked bus, so to speak, because teams are going to come to the Etihad and put, you know, 9, 10, 11 sometimes behind the ball. Um, and City still seemed to struggle with that, and I don't really know why, because, well, I, do, I know why to an extent, but sometimes they just seem disjointed but you like to think maybe the pace would have helped because they do have more pace on the wings this year um i don't know richard if you share that opinion or, or anything like that because they have at times gotten through it but you know you watch a performance like united and you're like well this is really drab yeah i think um i think some of it is I think there's almost an illusion at play at times where it's not always that we're struggling to break teams down, but our finishing is, as has been referenced all season, that the finishing in the team has been generally pretty dreadful. So if we'd come out of that game having had a couple of chances and put them both away, then we'd instead be talking about a really comfortable 1 or 2 nil win. And I know that's all ifs and buts and maybes and the, the game doesn't work like that. But it wasn't strictly that we didn't create anything at all. And that's been the case all season. Um, but the difficulty is, yeah, is really United got what they wanted, didn't they? They, they came to frustrate us and ultimately um, they managed to do that. I think as well, though, City have a problem in, in big games and have done for... At least, at least going back to Pellegrini and arguably um, in Mancini's last season as well, that was creeping in. We don't generally perform well or to our best or get good results against teams in and around the top four. And that is, I think, more of a significant barrier to... Uh, to Guardiola at the moment than strictly the style of play because we do dominate games we, we play exactly as he wants we just don't oh, well maybe not exactly as he wants but we dominate games in the way that he wants um, and that's presumably only going to get better and we're only going to get more potent you would think um, so it's dealing with that mentality now in big games against United Chelsea um, <clears throat> Liverpool Arsenal Tottenham I know we beat Arsenal once this season but We've had this problem for years, and I don't know whether it's a whole new group of players that, that changed that or if it's getting into the players' heads in a different way. Um, but I think that's more the, I think more the pertinent point than not breaking United down. But the, the not breaking teams down has been a problem over the season. But I do think it's more in the finishing. Yeah, you, you bring up the big game mentality, and it's funny because we talked about that um, our last time we did a podcast. Like, do, do you think that is? Just, do you think that's sort of a mentality problem that's crept into the squad as a whole? Is it, you know, is it the, is the players that just seem to, you know, I, 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 we tried to figure out a reason for it, and we tried to figure out a fix for it, and you, the basic conclusion was it's a lot easier said than done. Oh, definitely. What's what City need really, because we haven't had it now for quite some time, is we need a result that sort of ignites everything. So going back to Mancini's reign. The, the game that really saw everything take off was when City beat United in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley, the 1-0 the game, because we went into that without Tevez, 
who was obviously our, our leading player at the time. And it was sort of seen as a... We were obviously massive underdogs. Um, United were on the way to winning the league. And City were better in that game and never really looked like losing it. And a lot of things followed on from that, because then obviously winning the cup then laid the foundation of winning a trophy. And then the following year, they were able to build on that and win the Premier League. And it was like that one result sort of lit the lit the blue touch paper. Um, and we haven't had that now for some time. There have been some good results. Obviously, beating Barcelona was was a big one. But in terms of doing it at home against one of our main domestic rivals, um, like I say, Arsenal being a minor exception, but it's Arsenal. Um, they were never going to stay in the title race. We don't have that under our belts now for the for the last couple of years. I think was it last season we didn't beat a single team that finished in the top eight, um, and it's it's a problem. So yeah, the how you fix it that's um, beyond me. If I knew that one, I'd be getting into sports psychology, I guess. But um, it is it is a problem, and we need a result against one of the big teams. Yeah, you allude to the, the Tottenham game in particular sticks out to me because they were ahead. 2-0, yeah. and um, they had, you know, there was a penalty claim in there for Sterling that was denied, and they ended up, you know, shipping two goals and drawing 2-2 in a game against, you know, probably, again, we've said this for Spurs two seasons in a row, but the team that was playing the best football toward the end of the season, um, and they had a result, and they, they didn't get it. Um, so let's talk about the good the good stuff with Palace. Obviously, um, a 5-0, a really good performance and overall some really impressive finishing from some unlikely sources, I would say. Um, it's, 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 you know, you, you watch a game like that and I know it's unfair because, like Richard has just alluded to, the finishing, again, they could have had results like this, but they haven't. But you watch a game like that and, you know, you feel bad about it, but your first thought is, why can't you do this more often? <laughs> Because teams aren't as bad as Crystal Palace, and that's just the truth. You do not demean the team that just beat Liverpool at Anfield. All right. (laughs) I want to go back and touch on some things that Richard brought up. Manchester City, and we've discussed this, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse. We all know that there is a mentality problem. I'll leave that there. But when you talk about what Mourinho wanted, I don't necessarily think he wanted a point from that. I I truthfully don't. I think Mourinho wanted to win that game. I think that a series of unfortunate events for United, both with uh, suspensions and... Because they had a couple... I mean, they probably had one of the best... Two of the best chances in the game, if we're being straightforward and honest. Uh, But I, I, I think that... It just didn't work out for Mourinho, and toward the end of the game, he realized that a point was better than nothing, so he opted to take it. But I think Mourinho looked at City and knew, like, if we beat these guys, we can write our own ticket to to the UCL. And ultimately, it wouldn't have mattered because they got pasted by Arsenal and... Barring uh, uh, an unforeseen event like with Chelsea, like that, the last team you imagine losing to Manchester United does, uh, Tottenham should be able to put them away, which would basically cement City at least as far as top four go. Um, but, uh, you know, as going back to the park bus thing, I think the reason that they don't have the ability to is because right now they've got a lot of young players and young players tend to be indecisive in their action and their movement. If you watch Leroy Sané in that Crystal Palace game, even when City were running rough shot over Palace, you still saw like four or five instances where Leroy Sané either made the wrong pass on a breakaway, tried to dribble through too many people tried to be too cute and clever and got it picked off out of him. Like, these are the types of things that happen when you have young players. So it does go back to being more clinical, which is I what Richard brought up and what Guardiola has mentioned several times in, 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 in his post-game press conferences is that 
city need to be more clinical. When you have those opportunities, you need to make the right pass. You need to make sure you're on side. You need to check your run. You need to do all of these simple things that city aren't doing. You look at how many goals are disallowed for stupid reasons. And it's just like, it harkens back to like the FIFA commentary when he's like, well, I think when he gets a look at that later, he'll be a little bit mad at himself. You know, it's just it's it's simple stuff like that. And, and what you hope is that next year City have midfielders that can pull the strings um, without fear of having a defense that cannot hold up in the event of a break. Like if you look at Juventus. Juventus can commit so many men forward because they know that Barzagli, Benucci, and Chiellini, you're not getting past them. Like, you're just not. It's not happening. So Juventus can be like, you know, we're going to play a 3-2-4 a or something, you know, like a 3-2-5. We're, we're just going to have insane numbers committed forward. Right now, that's what City are trying to do, but they just don't have the defensive infrastructure in place to get away with it. Although I do think that's starting to change with company as he's come back into the fold and has maintained health. Like, honestly, I know we've made a fool out of Nicholas Otamendi, but I would be remiss if I didn't point out exactly how much his play has improved in the past couple of years. There were several instances in that Palace game or even in the Derby where Otamendi, the old Otamendi, would have slid in, did something stupid, likely given up a PK or a foul. But I've noticed him check his slides. I've noticed him check when he goes to ground. He's now using his dark arts for the team instead of hurting the team by trying to do it when the ref obviously isn't giving him. So it is nice to see what City are capable of when they have at least two decent center backs. Like, imagine, like, I personally think, and we'll get to this in a minute, but I personally think that Juventus winning the Champions League could be the best thing that will happen to City. The thing about company is that he seems to make everyone around him better. Yes, and 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 that's why you know we, there's been some reports from you know the more reliable papers in in the UK that Guardiola has changed his tack. He plans on keeping company because he's not only been impressed with his comeback, but you know he is by far the best leader that is that Manchester City have. No one really comes close. And how about that finish, dude? Can we just take five <laughs> seconds to talk about that finish? That it is unbelievable. That, that ball from De Bruyne and Vinny strike for a center back, for a center back, that was a striker's strike, you know? I think it, it wasn't even just the strike. It's the way that he, he sort of drops back off the defenders. It's a proper striker's instinct yeah. to even get himself in position. Yeah, and, it, and the way that he hit it was a proper striker technique. I mean, he yeah. curled that ball. Oh, my God, it was it, it was sex. <laughs> I've always kind of felt like Company is a, like a really good defender, but he always has that little part of his brain that he so badly wants to be a forward. Like the the the, moment, the, the one that I remember very well is the fourth goal in the derby against United in thirteen fourteen. The year they won the title, and they beat him four uh, one. The fourth goal that City scored, which was initiated basically by Company just running the entire length of the pitch, um, serving as an actual dummy for for the. <laughs> for the Samir Nasri and, and of course the, the iconic celebration that followed, but you watch that is like, boy, he really wants to be a forward, doesn't he? And you know, there's a time and a place for it, obviously. And it worked, but it was so out of the blue is, you know, the first instinct is, gee, maybe some of our forwards should be watching, <laughs> watching that and learning a thing or two because of how bad the finishing has been at times this year. And then he can come out of nowhere and pull that one out of there. And yet, and yet, you know what's crazy about that? I'm glad you brought that up because if you look at the finishing in that game, Raheem Sterling, who's had trouble finishing, that was, as they said on the telecast here in the States, that was a cracking finish. 
That's what you expect when you pay fifty million, right? Right. That's it's amazing. You... It's amazing what happens when I think it's two things. When a, the, you're not like sitting on either a tie or like a one goal lead, and you have a little bit of freedom to, you know, okay, yeah. This if I don't, you know, we're up two, three goals, I can relax a little bit and you know try some stuff basically. And B, you play, you know, which is kind of goes hand in hand with A, playing with confidence. You know, when when City are playing that well, that confidence seeps into every player in the squad, and things come off better instead of you know playing on the knife's edge like they have had to do when they're up one nil and missing chance after chance after chance. I think that's a big part of it. Um. Yeah. No, I completely <laughs> agree. Uh. It, it's. Uh, you know. The thing about that game is it, it just highlighted how talented some of these players are. I mean, when you look at that set piece from De Bruyne, that ball to Otamendi, I mean, say nothing of the fact that Palace had checked out and that that probably should have been headed away by a defender with, with minimal effort, but they, they mentally checked out at that point. But no matter what, that ball from De Bruyne was just gorgeous. And and same thing with Silva's ball to Sterling that ultimately led to Silva's goal, his opening goal, which, by the way, for a guy who struggles with his finishing and isn't the best finisher in the world, that was another great finish. I mean, you had a bunch of great finishes by guys who – you either don't think of as finishers or who've had issues raised in the past about their finishing ability. Like, David Silva can do everything in the world except shoot. He can shoot when he's with Spain, but for whatever reason, when he puts on City Kit, that ability just goes out the window. And it's okay, though, because that's not what he's there to do. You see, David Silva's 60-minute impact in the Crystal Palace game is evident enough of just how much a guy, and, and, and he did score that game, but like even if he didn't, he bossed that game. He just absolutely bossed it. Like, City need that. They need that next year. If they want to legitimately challenge for a title, they need to boss the midfield. I, yeah, yeah. I, agree, I agree completely. Go ahead, Richard. I'm sorry, I agree with that. I just, just wanted to touch on as well, and there's not really a whole lot more I can say on it, but David Silva was ridiculous in that game. Oh, um, God. And that was, he's racking up the milestones at the moment, isn't he? So I think a couple of weeks ago, he had his 300th game, and then I think the Palace game was his 200th Premier League start and his, his 50th goal. And I remember somebody saying on Twitter, going back a couple of years now, a City fan saying, to look at David Silva or to know the basics about him, he shouldn't be a good footballer because we know he's tiny, which doesn't usually, it doesn't always bode well in the Premier League with being physical. We know that he generally can't finish very well. He's incredibly one-footed and yet he's one of the best players in the world. And nobody has yet worked out how to stop him. Like his game, he makes everything look so simple, but he plays with a, a grace and an, an elegance that... Um, he just basically turns football into art. And he, I mean, he, he was applauded off by the Palace fans when he got taken off. Yeah. Which, which is, is remarkable. It, yeah, it's always a, a mark of how well you've played, isn't it? When it's pretty rare that the opposition are willing to give you a stand innovation, particularly when you've just plumbed them a bit closer to um, a relegation battle. So, yeah, he was. it's just the way that he gets between the lines and his vision is, is unbelievable. And we're at 31. Like, although he shows no sign of slowing down, we're sort of at the point where you have to really appreciate him whilst we've got him because obviously he's not going to go on forever. He's got a, a few years left yet. But just what a what a player to have at City is sensational. Yeah, I, I'm not in any position to like make any sort of statement about whether he's City's best player ever, but he's certainly he do, he always seems to fly under the radar, and perhaps it's because of some of the things he says. Like everyone sort of knows he's good, but you know. Ozil gets more attention, um, you know, Azar gets more attention. A lot of these guys seem to get Deli more Ali. attention. Ali gets more attention. Um, part, I think part of it is because Silva is just Shit. so under... 
Jason Punchin gets more attention. <laughs> David Silva might be the most underrated great footballer. He just, he just, it's, it's the grace with which he plays, but he's also just so, he's very quiet. He goes about his business. You're not going to yeah. see him. What do you mean he's paper. quiet, dude? That dude's always yelling at the ref. Like, <laughs> David Silva is the king of going from just like, I'm ho-hum to like swearing in a ref's face, dude. Like, I've, I've never seen anybody that can go like demon face that quickly. Like. It's it's actually kind of amusing to me that somebody that diminutive gets that upset. Yeah, that's a good point. But you know, he's he's not. You're not going to see him in the papers. Is basically you're, it's just he's just not off the pitch. He's a very quiet, understated guy, and you're you're not going to hear much from him when he's. You mean he's playing. not going to crash his his whip leaving a casino during no, the I'm a, I'm America afraid, with his I'm wife afraid. in it. I'm afraid not, no. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about um, some transfer stuff. Um, Alex Sandro, the uh, fullback, has been out there a lot. What do you guys think about the uh, strong reports now that City want to keep uh, Jesus Navas as a right back? I'm okay with that, actually. I've been talking about this for a while. People have been talking about how, oh, it's stupid that Zabaleta's not getting a new deer, but but Navas is. I'm like, first of all, that's crap. Navas can't even play half a game. Or, excuse me, Zabaleta can't even play half a game at this point. Like, he has to be subbed out. If you play him, you know that one of your other subs has to be a right back. <clears throat> Jesus Navas can not only play a full game, but one of the most underrated qualities of his game is his understanding of where to be on defense. And the number of times that Jesus Navas has bailed City out of what otherwise would have turned into really awful uh, 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 situations for City, like we're talking like four fives on, on two like, but for the positioning of Jesus Navas to intercept the pass, because he knew, he knew just from knowing enough about the game where that guy was most likely to go through the ball. I think Jesus Navas is a hard worker. I think he always puts in a shift. And I think if all you're asking him to do now is play defense and get up and down the pitch, he can terrorize people doing that. Like, I mean, you, you having that pace, if you're able to acquire Kyle Walker and you have that pace with Kyle Walker playing on the left-hand side, uh, uh, Jesus Navas playing on the right-hand side, that's a lot of speed going up and down, especially when you count in Sané and, uh, and, and Sterling. And like, uh, Richard mentioned, David Silva's getting 31. Don't think for one damn second that City aren't thinking about his replacement, because they know. Between the injuries and the age, it's I'm not saying boot him out the door, but it's time to get somebody in there to learn under him. It's definitely time. Yeah, Richard, what, what's, what, do, you, uh, what do you say about that report? Um, Reports. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty all right with it i mean it wouldn't be you know if we could wind the clock back and have recruited better for the fullback positions over the last two three years then i would rather we weren't in a position where having navas as a backup right back was the best option um but in terms of this being the situation and, and being where we are I, I completely agree that it's 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 all right. We we need essentially to replace all of our fullbacks, um, but we're not going to go out and buy four top fullbacks in one summer. And so the acceptance has to be that you're going to have somebody that ideally wouldn't be there as your backup. But I, I completely agree that Navas's um, defensive work is <laughs> it's excellent, and his his attitude is and his work rate is exemplary. Um, so if he's perfectly clear on the situation that he will mainly be a backup and that he's going to have to accept that he's not going to be nudging Sterling out for right wing positions anytime soon and that he is there to be right back, 
then you'd think he'll he'll get on with it. He'll be professional. He'll be good to have around the um, around the dressing room. People don't mention often enough either um, just what an asset Navas's experience is because this is a guy who's mm-hmm. been at an international level. And we tend to think of when we talk about experience in the squad, we sort of tend to look more at like Yaya and, and David Silva and Aguero and, and company. But just because Navas isn't a um, necessarily a leader in the same way that some of those guys might be um his experience around the dressing room will be absolutely crucial um particularly if we were to go and get a kyle walker okay he's played at a top level and at a big club but he's he's not won trophies navas has so he will be a great influence to to keep around um like i say in an ideal world it, this wouldn't be our best option but he is a lot better than he gets credit for. Uh, the only issue for me is that having him um, at right back, although he can get up the pitch, it means that we're going to miss out on quality delivery into the box from a fullback because that isn't, it's never been. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he's getting better. I think that now, as you, when, when, when City were rocking and rolling back when Gabriel Jesus was on the team and we were seeing what, what City could play like. Novice was getting some minutes in there, and his crosses meant something. And I and, and I was I remember even commenting on Twitter and saying, "Holy crap! Like, who is this? And what happened to the real Jesus Navas? Like, it could just be as simple as maybe Novice's crosses didn't suck as much as we think they do. It could have just been that the way Pellegrini's team just kicked the ball around in a U really didn't inspire any major openings for him to cross the ball in. Um, no, no, I, I'm not going to try and I say that this guy obviously is is an, I'm not going to say he's an amazing crosser of the ball, but those words are not going to leave my mouth. <laughs> but I definitely saw something more from him this season. I would maybe call it the Guardiola effect. I don't know. Yeah, what I would say, I I don't um, think he's as bad as people have. You know, like a a lot of City fans when you're at the stadium, there's um, quite a horrible reaction sometimes to the way Navas plays, and and I don't like it. And I, I wouldn't scapegoat him in the way that people have in the past. I don't have a problem uh, with his style of play that some people do, um, and. I don't have a huge problem with his delivery. Um, I just, I don't think I trust him to be consistent with it, I suppose, is more my issue. It's not that I don't think he can ever put the ball into the box, uh, but I think he, he makes, I think sometimes with his type of crossing, um, I don't think he's always particularly intelligent with it. So you take into account somebody like Silva, who in the past, when he's had a sort of a, a plethora of strikers ahead of him, uh, he used to talk about how he knew if he had Aguero in front of him, he needed a different type of pass than Balotelli might or, or Tevez might or Dzeko might. Um, I don't see Navas as having quite that same intelligence and, and sort of forethought. Um, I- more issue. Have you noticed, and I'm and I'm asking here, have you noticed, though, that Navis is more willing to cut the ball in, similar to how Robin did with Bayern Munich, and in that, once he gets inside the box, he does create some dangerous chances. Have yeah. you noticed that? Yeah, no, that, that's definitely fair. Um, he's, I'll be honest, the, the comparison maybe to, to Munich hadn't... Um, hadn't jumped out at me but now you say it yeah it is quite comparable um i mean he's obviously not Aryan robin yeah. but Guardiola likes his wingers once they get down there don't be afraid to cut in let the fullbacks take those vacant spaces and yeah. and the, some of the center mids will clear out but he wants those guys attacking he wants those shots on goals he wants people coming in from from, from the left and the right and creating problems and pulling defenders out of position. So I've noticed that Navas has done that. How much more he will improve, I don't know. But I've seen a much better Navas under Guardiola than I ever... Like, I didn't think Navas could improve. I figured... And, and I'm not saying this to be derogatory. I just figured he'd maxed out. Like, like just sort of... If this makes sense, this was the player he's going to be. You know, yeah. I mean, he's about he's thirty, 
you know, I mean, around that time, I, I, I'm 34, and I'm pretty much set with who I'm going to be. Uh, but not as it really, really improved this year. And and if he can do that in one year, I'd be curious to see what he'd look like uh, next year with the fully revamped city team and the confidence of of Pep. I mean, to be kept over Pablo Zabaleta, that's hmm. got to do something for your ego. My my general thinking on this before we move on is that I am fine with it as long as City do bring in an actual first choice right back like a Kyle Walker. Um, if if I, I mean I think they will or I think excuse me Kyle is the right Sandro is the left San, yeah Alexandro is the left back um, and City have wanted Alexandro for some time I think and I'm not big on that one why not I he just doesn't impress me. I think I, I, I think that if you're going to spend money, I think that there are players that I would go out and get before him. But are those players available? If you're spending the kind of money that City are going to have to spend to get Alexandro, yeah. Richard, I, yeah, I, no, go ahead. I, all I was going to say is, I mean, when you see the figures that are attached to some of these players, and obviously Mbappe is, Mbappe is, is that that's, that's another can of worms. We'll just leave it alone. But when you look at what's being asked for Kyle Walker or what's going to be asked for Alexandro, I, I think that, what is Sandro, like 26? He's not, he's not old. Is he like 26, 27? He's not old. He's 26. Okay, he's 26. Yeah, so, I mean, you're, you're paying for a 26-year-old left back who's definitely uh, a, a forward-thinking left back more than a defensive, which is going to happen in City's offense no matter what. Like, whichever fullback City acquire, they're not doing it for his ability to, 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 to block across. Um, they're doing it for his pace and ability to get up and down. I think Alexandro is a fine left back. I just feel like City could do better at that price. Richard, am I wrong? Because you know more about the landscape. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm perfectly honest. Um, I'm no expert in Alexandro, so the what I know of him well, really... Why? Sorry? I said, well, then lie. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I think he's worth double 50 million and that he's perfect for City. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's... In terms of left-backs that I do know about and I would be happy for us to sign, I guess Danny Rose particularly tickles my fancy, really. I think he's, I think he's brilliant. The problem that we'd have getting him... Um, is that I do think we'll sign Kyle Walker. I yeah. think it looks really, really likely. And so then taking another player from Spurs that not only seriously unbalances what they do and forces them to go make a big splash in the market, um, but would also give two key players to what they will hope continues to be a direct rival, um, it's going to make that business very difficult um, and very, very expensive. Um, there's the... Uh, the lad at Monaco, is it Mendy at Monaco? Yes. Um, would potentially be a good signing. Um, but I mean, on, on your point of, in terms of the kind of left back that City are looking for, um, yeah, we're going to have to spend money whatever we do. So I'll sort of bow to your knowledge that there's better available than Sandro. I don't get to see as much uh, Italian football as I would like to give a perfect answer to the question. Uh, but in terms of who I'd be happy for us to get, um, Danny Rose was probably top of my left back list. Fanciful though that may be. Yeah, I would also love that, but like you said, plus Spurs are going to be in the Champions League and opening. Let me not, let me not just opening a new back. stadium, but they'll be playing can, at Wembley. Yeah. Can I piggyback real quick off of? Go for it, and then we'll uh, wrap quickly here. Because because this is related to transfers. If City truly are going to make a run at Benucci, how do you get Sandro and Benucci off off Juventus? I have no idea. Exactly. <laughs> I and, don't and, know. And, and, and my and my final question to you before we wrap this up: Which one would you rather have? Ten times out of ten. Yeah, um, Benucci. 
Gee, for me, she paired with company. Okay. Yeah, yeah, all right. See, there, there's not a single person who, given their druthers, would take Alexandro over no, Benucci yeah. if, if, if I think I think it's I think it's a guy of interest, but I also do believe that City have a lot of balls in the air right now. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, real quickly, Leicester at the weekend at home. This is obviously a team that was improved under Craig Shakespeare. They seem to have fallen back to earth a little bit. They're definitely not the Leicester of old anymore. Um, Richard, do we think we win this? Uh, yeah, I think we will. Um, they, it will be difficult because they're in they're in fantastic form. Um, but I, I think the City have the carrot on the stick in front of them, don't they? City know what they're going for. They've got a very direct you would, game. You would hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this result furthers our chances of... Or this game furthers our chances of top four, hopefully top three. Um, and I think that incentive should be enough. But that's not to suggest that Leicester will be um, on the beach, to coin a saying, or that they're already thinking of the holidays, because they've, they've shown over the last few weeks that they're not. That said, the impressive result at weekend was against a pretty dreary Watford side that haven't been up to anything for for a good few weeks now. Um, so, yeah, I'm giving, I'll give City the win here. I think off the back of a very impressive performance against Palace, I think it could be a quite convincing win again. Um, but don't hold me to that bit. Josh, real quick. Um, I... I... Thoroughly, this one makes me slightly nervous because though Leicester are not the Leicester of old, they are still very much set up to be a counter-attacking team. And they've brought in some quality players. It took them a minute to find the quality and its arrangement on the field. But I I, I do think Leicester are, are, as Richard said, much improved. And I think a lot of that has to do with them sort of identifying what what it is they want to do and who their best players are to do it. So the game makes me a bit nervous. Uh, I do think City will win, but I won't be shocked if this is like a 2-1 game or a 3-1 game where City are barely hanging on and then get a garbage time goal or something to, to put it to bed. But... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Leicester are up for it. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> look, City need to just win, like, two of these, and I think they're all but guaranteed a Champions League spot, right, Rich? Yeah. Um, Mathematically? Think, yeah, with a lot... A little bit will depend on... Um, and I was going to say a bit will depend on Arsenal, but it won't, will it? I was thinking of their game yeah. in Amber. I wouldn't pull them level. Um, yeah, I think that would pretty much do it because it's also we've got the game in hand on Liverpool, isn't it? Sorry, I was having a, a bit of a meltdown there. Um, yeah, a couple of wins should pretty much do it, but you'd want the three to guarantee third place, wouldn't you, ideally? Yeah, definitely. I'm just I'm just looking at Man City and seeing Watford and West Brom on there, and I'm saying, okay, even if City don't pull this one out or it becomes a 2-2 or a 1-1, City have all like Watford has just they've they've checked out they're done they're done playing yep. for the year. I, um, think, I do think that City win this. I think Guardiola will learn his lesson from the obliteration that they gave us in the away fixture here. And, uh, yeah, I, I I do think that will happen. Um, I sure sure so hope so. <laughs> uh, Richard, where are you online? And I know you write, you podcast, you do all sorts of things. Tell us where to find you. Okay, so I'm on Twitter at Richard the Burns. I am on the Blue Moon podcast uh, that is a weekly Manchester City podcast released every Friday. Um, Excellent we, stuff, by the way. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, um, we have three episodes remaining this season. Uh, the final one of which is be a live one recorded at a bar in Manchester, um, and we should have, as we have had the last two years, an ex-player. Um, who the name has not yet been confirmed, um, but we should have an ex City player on with us, um, and that's always fun and pretty cool. Um, and I write two articles. Oh, sorry, and they're on Twitter at Blooming Podcast, I should say. And I write two articles a week for Yahoo Sport UK, specifically about City. And don't forget too that with the Blue Moon Podcast, um, 
for uh, what amounts to basically five dollars a month, uh, you can you can sign up for the patron account and yeah, you get an additional bonus stuff, which can include like the dad cast, which was an absolute smash hit. Yeah. Uh, it can include intimate conversations that aren't aired on air. When I when 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 Gray and I say that these guys truly do go above and beyond, the five dollars that you could donate per month, you're gonna like. What do you spend five dollars on? Shit, you spend it on like a McDouble, a McChicken. Save it. Give it to the guys at the Blue Moon Podcast so they they can keep doing what they do. And you will get some quality content in return. I can promise you that. That's that's my pump for the Blue Moon Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, as far as myself, you can find me on Twitter at Fight On Twist. Uh, I also do some writing and reporting for Athlon Sports, uh, as well as being the host of Turf Show Radio for S- uh, SB Nation's home for the Los Angeles Rams, Turf Show Times. And lastly. I am a comic book reviewer and uh, I guess you could say uh, just overall writer at The Marvel Report, covering all things comics. Um, And uh, to be real brief here, I've also started a new podcast series called Third Nerd, which uh, features a mix of sports, comics, and video games. And... I have three different people who uh, are co-hosts with me, not all at the same time. And each episode with that individual is tailored to uh, different needs. So check it out, Third and Nerd. We are hosted by Blog Talk Radio, just like this gorgeous show right here. Gray, bring us home. You can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search the name American Citizens. Um, and Block Talk Radio. Yes, they sponsor us. Bless them. Um, I'm Gray. That's Josh. That's Richard. Thanks again, Richard, for joining us. We will definitely have you on again. And um, have a great week and weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.